Well, grab a seat, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, it is time for Flip and Friends. My name is Kenneth Davis. Follow me at that Davis, the executive producer of everything under this umbrella is Ryan Bookabeski. Follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski One on the Instagram to get all the sexy pictures of him, the beard, the hair, all <laughs> the stuff that you like. Uh, make sure you check out We Are Regal Radio contributor and also uh, one of the hosts of Second City Sports, one Sydney Brown. Follow him at Kid 80 and also contributor to We Are Regal Radio. And also, what's your title over there, Josh? I forgot at We Are Regal Radio. Senior writer. All right, senior writer. Uh, <laughs> follow him at jhicks042. Uh, Boy, that's a difficult position to remember, Josh. You might have to get that on a card. <laughs> I've been told. Uh, we, we, uh, listen, man, yesterday uh, we got a text chain. I don't know how, Sydney, you got to get on this text chain. We, uh, yeah, Sid, you got to be on there. We got a bigger text chain now with Ryan and Josh on there. Uh, with the rest of the guys who was on the old uh, text chain uh, that you've always seen on the flip. Uh, but, yeah, you, you got to get on that, Sid, because, uh, man, when that when the Chadwick Bozeman thing hit last night, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, actor Chadwick Bozeman passed. Um, he had colon cancer for four years, man. Um. In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping-off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green veld where you can run forever. That sounds very peaceful. My father thought so. I am not my father. T'Challa, task force will decide who brings in Barnes. Don't bother Miss Romanov. I'll kill him myself. Yeah. Damn. It, that one hit the black community hard. Uh, in this, we're going through this time of upheaval and unrest. Uh, we're going through another civil rights movement in our lifetime. Um, that's the great thing about it. Um, and during that, it's just people are just dying. You got COVID. Um, it hits from celebrities. You had Kobe die at the beginning of the year uh, here at home. I lost my brother in June. Uh, I've had I've had a buddy of mine lose his older sister, his grandmother. My other buddy lost his grandmother. Uh, we wow. this morning, a uh, former Portland Trailblazer and also Phoenix son, Cliff Robertson. We used to know him as Uncle Cliff. He's the guy behind Michael Jordan with Jordan shrugs. He has the headband on. That's Cliff Robinson. He would have been real freaky in today's game with his length and shooting ability and rim protection, being able to rim protect the duck on people. Uh, for tweeners like him, I always think about they played in today's NBA. You know what I'm saying? Where mm -hmm. it, it didn't matter if you was that middle, small forward, maybe you were too skinny to be a real power forward. Or like, but those guys would kill. Like, oh, they would kill today. Uh, but yeah, it's just been a, a hard time. But yeah, Chadwick Bozeman, uh, of course, uh, the biggest, I would say, role he played was Black Panther, but also played Jackie Robinson in 42 and uh, James Brown and uh, get, get On Up. Um, I'm going to go back and watch everything. I know Kyle said he was watching stuff last night. But he's like, I couldn't watch a couple. He was going to cry, which it tells you how much this dude affected us. He, one, he seemed from afar like a stand-up brother. And I want to say this. Uh, sometimes in this world, 
And it's kind of why I tend to stay off social media, not to say I, I need to use it more purposefully. Um, we, we, we see something and we don't go back to thinking how we used to think before we had to jump in right away. And for the past two years, we've been like, what's up with Chadwick Boseman? What's up with Chadwick Boseman? And common sense told us, should have told us he was sick, right? Like that common, like back in the 10 years ago, we would have been like, oh, he's sick. Remember when basically um, uh, Walter Payton, and uh, definitely friend of the show, Walter Payton uh, Jr., I mean, Jared Payton, I should have said Jared Payton. Um, remember when Walter basically had to come out and t tell us he was sick because he, he had lost so much weight, Sydney? Um, and you know, like. Yeah, Mark G. and Greco said that comment. Exactly. Yeah, he, right, which correct. set the city on fire. Right. And I think he went on the monsters at the midway, midday rather, when he announced that uh what he that he was uh he had kidney failure or liver failure. Liver. Liver. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm the point that I'm trying to get to is one, we used to respect that stuff back then a little bit, but like some of the stuff like what's up with Chappie Bozeman didn't know that he was fighting cancer, colon cancer, and wanted to keep it on a hush and still live his life. Like he was still doing work, all right? I mean, think about it. He's had it since 2016. Black Panther came out in 2018, all right? So he is fighting Killmonger sick, basically. Um, mm -hmm. It was beknownst to him at that point. Because I tried to look up when did filming, when did, when did they do filming for Black Panther? But I mean, clearly, if they filmed it in 2018, he had, they had to be making it in 2016 or 2017. So that's just something, man. But what, what, are, your guys, what are your guys' thoughts? I had... Just a, a couple that really came to mind. And I saw an Instagram post. I don't know if it's fact-checked or not, but from what I gathered, he did, like, Black Panther, Jackie Robinson, and a host of other movies while he had stage three colon cancer before it even went up a stage. So he was basically like a living superhero. And from everybody's accounts, he was genuine, super nice, just a, a caring guy, down-to-earth guy, the type of guy you want around. And that made me think of two things like one, how many of these superheroes, like we've heard with Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. Like they show up in their attire and just these kids lose their mind. Cause it's like the superheroes here and how many black kids when they met black Panther were so inspired by him. And like, especially how tough this year is symbolically losing the black superhero in a way. Like it just, it's tough, man, and I, I feel really bad for Chadwick and his whole family, and just tough to lose somebody that is so upstanding. When, especially right now in today's world, we need as many upstanding people as we can possibly have. Yeah, Ryan. I mean, it's it, it's it's tough because Chadwick's Chadwick was the one of the top trailblazers of this generation when it comes to renovating your own with the skill sets that you have. Um, he was very, he was very multi-talented, but he utilized his platform for more than just acting. He was a, he was a social activist. He gave back to the black community. I mean, the dude was an HBCU graduate from one of the more, one of the most elite HBCUs you could think of in Howard. So for him to really push, um, his gifts and utilize it in an activist type of form, but also actually demonstrate how gifted of an actor he was. And, and especially within the iconic black roles that he played um, from Thurgood Marshall to obviously Black Panther being the, the, the most iconic original Black Panther, Black hero for us. Um, it, it's, it's tragic. And the fact that he died on Jackie Robinson Day really tested, shows the testimony to the fact that I mean, he acted Jackie, Jackie Robinson in 42. So 
Um, I think that's, I think the fact that like Kobe, you know, when he died, um, the fact that his transcending um, airness, not just on the court, but off the court was really hitting a peak before he unfortunately uh, died. I felt the same way with Chadwick. I mean, Chadwick was doing all these movies at once, uh, back to back to back. And the fact that he was going to, you know, add to it with Black Panther 2, you just can't help but wonder where that really would have took his stardom, where that would have really took um, his next future and his next ventures. And I think I saw a video on social media where he was saying he was actually supposed to do a, a video with Kobe. Um, Kobe was trying to yeah, uh, pr- produce a movie with Chadwick, and it was supposed to happen in two years, and it happened right before he died. So the fact that they were supposed to do filming together, production and things of that sort, and literally months apart, they're both iconic figures are gone. It really just hits the home. I mean, Black Panther for me was um, the older generation's whiz. You know, it was that figure that it was all mm. black people. It was an all black cast that really became monumental for our generation. Like the whiz was back when that, when that came out for the older civil rights movement group. So for, for Chadwick to be the face of that and that's gone now, that that's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to see, but we have to commemorate the work that he's done and utilize, utilize those same lessons that he taught us to never give up, to persevere and really fight for your dreams and your goals, no matter what you're dealing with and take that to create our own legacies. Mm. Peace and love to the Bos- to the entire chat with Bozeman family. I'm going to remember him as playing the iconic roles of James Brown and Get On Up because there's been uh, documentaries made about the late great Godfather of Soul, but no one really uh, had the had the, the the development to make a motion bio biopic about James Brown. So Chadwick Bozeman did a heck of a job in, in that role. Also, he played Thurgood Marshall. I haven't seen that yet. I will now. But he, he, he dared himself to play iconic figures in, in movies. And also, as you mentioned, Josh, he played Jackie Robinson in 42. For those of you watching exclusively, I have my Jackie Robinson jersey hanging up behind me right now. So that's one of my new favorite movies as well. So I'm going to remember him for playing iconic roles for um, – for, for portraying iconic people in historic times. As, as you guys mentioned, his star was just rising. is unfortunately sad for talented people to die so young to ask, what if? What if he, if he did this? What if he did that? Would have been greater? Just like we said, when Kobe died, you know, he would have done greater things outside the game of basketball. Now we won't be able to witness it. But we um, the, those iconic people leave great work behind for us to treasure forever. Can I right. just say uh, one thing with Chadwick? I'm thinking of, like, Zoolander. Like, that damn Hansel, he's so hot right now. Like, dude was so hot. Like, he was getting role after role after role. Like, he could have been a mega superstar. Like, and he was such a good actor. It just sucks. Like, he falls in line with how many back in the day we hear about actors that, like, not that they're equal, like Marilyn Monroe when she died young or some of the others that I'm forgetting because I wasn't around when they were. James Dean. Right, right, that type. Yeah. Like, he falls yeah. in that category now. But wait, when you said initially, one Zoolander, I was like, where is he going with this? And <laughs> it was so hot. I was like, brother, I'm, I'm proud of you, man, being secure in your manhood. You. <laughs> it's like, he was so hot. That damn Hansel is so hot. Right. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, so from all of us, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, we wish the Bozeman family um, the most um, energies and prayers. Um, it's sad, man. That's 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 messed up. But you you know what? Chadwick Bozeman lived life to the fullest, it seems, and got the most out of his career. And that's something that we should take and apply to ourselves uh, moving forward in the future. But one thing in particularly, in particular, and Josh brought it up, uh, that was weird was that he, he died on Jackie Robinson Day, being the fact that he played Jackie Robinson in 42. Things say all they want. We're just here to play ball. It's just a bunch of crackpots still fighting the Civil War. Well, hell, we'd have won that son of a gun if the corn stalks would have held out. We just ran out of ammunition. Better look next time, Pee Wee. Ain't gonna be a next time, Jackie. All we got is right here. Thank you, Jack. What are you thanking me for? I got family out there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. Hey, number one! You playing ball or socializing? Playing ball, up. Playing ball. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they won't tell us apart. Um, and since Jackie Robinson uh, Day took place, I wanted to get you guys' opinion on what does Jackie Robinson Day mean today with what's going on. I'll start with you, Josh. I mean, Jackie Robinson Day is obviously, it's an iconic day. Um, it's a day that we really should commemorate on all levels, not just sports, but in life in general, because he broke so many barriers, not just in sports, but to life as well. Um, for him to be the, the one guy to help bridge the gap of equality um, in, 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 the, in the playing field, there's a lot of ups and downs that comes with that, a lot of trials that come through that, for, but for him to overcome that and be the star that he was on the biggest level, on the biggest stages, with basically the entire society against him. Um, that play, that's something we still continue to deal with today. Um, the, we're still fighting those same battles as far as trying to be successful, especially successful black, uh, black men, um, trying to live up to the highest levels of success without having to be discriminated against or being, having to be uh, marginalized and quite honestly disrespected. And that's something that he overcame. And for, and for Jackie Robinson to do that, it, it's bigger than sports. It shows that there's there's more to the life of Jackie Robinson outside of the baseball field that is so relevant to today's times. And that's something that we must not forget when we celebrate Jackie, Jackie Robinson Day. And it's something that we should really highlight more than just the sports realm. Sit. Uh, what Jackie Robinson Day means to me is, I hate using this phrase, but unfortunately we still have to use this phrase to this day. We've come a long way, but we still have a far, uh, a long way to go. Yes, at that time when Jackie Robinson uh, broke the color barrier, baseball was popular, especially in the black community back in the day. Now you look forward to today, we barely have 5 6% overall of black American players in Major League Baseball. Uh, it, to me personally, it's unacceptable. I'm all for inclusion and including other people, and, and it makes our society go better. But the lack of black players in Major League Baseball – uh, the lack of it is is ridiculous. The Seattle Manners have ten players, of uh, uh, black American players on their roster, and that's the highest in Major League Baseball. Call me crazy, 
uh, th there's something wrong with that. We still have a, a lot of work to do. As Josh said, we, uh, we have to remember Jackie, not only what he did on the field, but most importantly, what he did off the field. And that's his whole legacy, not just in the sports world, but in society in general. Real quick, um, I want to jump in on that because – I don't really blame baseball as much for black people, for the lack of black players in baseball, being that that was the first sport that started to trickle in uh, black players. Um, I think that when you have the fact that you have basically 80% of the National Football League are black, um, the NBA, like a lot of those players, if those, if it was as limited as it was back in those days, like think about uh, Hank Aaron, um, Think about uh, Billy D. Williams. Think about um, Mr. Cub himself, Ernie Banks, Willie Mays, and those guys talking about when they were down south and how they were treated, and they were they were just coming from or the the, the players after the the players from the Negro leagues. I think times changed, and I don't think a lot of brothers want to be in the farm system when I can go and I can make sure that I'm getting paid right away. So I don't. All of it I don't think is baseball, even though baseball's marketing doesn't endear it to a younger crowd, let alone a minority, uh, a crowd for minorities. But I think also it, it plays in the part of what else happened and made people kind of go away from baseball. But uh, also, um, before you jump in, Ryan, I might as well get my thoughts on Jackie Robinson Day. I don't think we focus enough on how Jackie Robinson felt about this country towards the end of his life. Um, I, I look at Jackie Robinson Day more as a day of um, activism, perhaps, or maybe I need to learn more about different ways to be active. Um, I, I look at it like in the vein of what's going on in the world today, uh, what, what Jackie Robinson would think and what Jackie Robinson would want. And I mean, clearly, if he didn't like how America was, um, would Jackie Robinson die in what, the, the 80s or the 70s? I think he made it to the 80s, perhaps. Um, but if he didn't like how America was 30 years ago, He's, he, he damn sure wouldn't like how it is today. I'm sure there's a, a few token things that you can be like, oh, that's cool that that took place. And I'm happy that there, there's more money as far as, uh, and wealth in the black community, but as far as how the community is as a whole uh, and how they've been mistreated, I, I feel like he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't feel like things have moved accordingly. Ryan, uh, did you find out when he died? 72. 72? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was my thought. Ryan, what about you for Jackie Robinson Day? Well, you guys, I think, have really hit a lot of great points and a lot of things that we need to remember as well, just to get that call to action. The other thing I would just, I guess, throw on is, especially in 2020, there's been a theme. It's about looking back at past mistakes we've made and feeling like we need to correct things or just to reflect on past events to know how to better uh, suit the future moving forward. And Jackie Robinson, that should be a reminder to everybody how beneficial that was, how just making an act of equality, basically, putting a, getting a guy on the field because he deserved to be there based on his merits and everything that he fought for. And that benefited the game so much moving forward. And it benefited America so much moving forward. Let's remember how some small positive things like giving people a chance or doing the right thing and not listening to old cliche and stereotypes that we know are just based in limited truth. If anything, if anything, it's a, a negative thing. So Jackie, I hope that's just a reminder that we all need to kind of just remember, we need to help each other out. 
people need to be given a chance. And if you work hard, you should get what you deserve in life. Great point. Uh, on a side note, Josh, can I, can I get into your room real quick? Is that an accent wall or is the whole room blood red? Suwu. <laughs> it's an accent wall, man. Okay, okay. The, whole, the whole room is white, but that one, that one component. Oh, I like it more like Ooh. that. I, I got your style now. I was like, is it, he's, he's that bloody? Or is he just, is he, is he just fashion forward and his accent wall? I'm like, okay, his accent wall, I get it. But I'm like, either he loves the Bulls or secretly he was in on the West Coast and we know nothing about this. Well, see, Ken, <laughs> I'm seeing the Bradley sign. I'm wondering, uh, is that Bulls red? And right now it's Bradley because the Bulls are pathetic. And then that thing can just get flipped right when our tourist gets this thing going. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you hit the button and then the bulls <laughs> comes out of the white and black. Uh, said it's the like he has this date over. Let me get you more comfortable, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Shout out to Bradley, man. Shout out to Bradley. That's part of the fam now. My brother graduated from Bradley this past year. so That's dope. Oh, That's congratulations. Dope. Congratulations uh, you to your brother. Yep. Yeah, so Bradley Braves is part of the family. No doubt. I got screwed out of the NCAA tournament. Thanks, COVID. Uh, Claudio Velez, affectionately known in Chicago as the Somali guy, tested positive for COVID-19, according to Facebook, uh, posted by this restaurant. This is from the Tribune. Uh, the Somali guy uh, posted on Saturday that Velez had a sore throat earlier in the week and has not been in a restaurant on the 200 block of West Chicago Avenue. The post said that while he waited for test results, his health started to decline. He was admitted to the ICU and was put on a dinner later. Um, one of the things that stood out to me uh, real quick, because the Tamale Guy restaurant opened in August and it sold out because I've been wanting to get over there and get some tamales. Um, and they're going to need some money for him for his health. So this Tamale Guy used to be at the Maxwell Street over there in Roosevelt um, before you get to like Canal at the Maxwell Street Market. It's, it's this taco uh, stand there that I've been wanting to go to for like four to five years. And they, uh, sometime prayer as we do the week, have pulled up at their house at Albany Park. I forget the name of it, um, but I, 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 and I was, was talking to Afton. I was like, yeah, I want to get over to this place in Albany Park last week uh, and asking her how close it was to her job. Um, but also, I mentioned that Tamale Guy had a restaurant. So it was sad to see where this guy has been out here selling uh, tamales for years from a cart and finally opened up a brick and mortar during COVID and now he's in the hospital. He was, and listen, them things were selling like crack rock um, out of there. They literally would sell out of tamales. Uh, but it's sad to see that, you know what I'm saying, somebody that's been affectionately known throughout the city uh, got hit with uh, COVID-19. It wasn't necessarily a talking point, but I want to bring attention to it because I, I thought it was pretty messed up. Hopefully, uh, GoFundMe or actual people are giving him a break on his payments because yeah that'd be terrible like that's a that's a situation where you want to try to prop somebody up especially during these hard times like hey but too often i feel like we're just trying to cut jobs trying to cut people and like hey it's covid deal with it right. we all are right i mean great point uh you saw what happened with um heralds on 87th where the owner said that they tried to jack up the rent to ten thousand dollars a month and the end meet. And I mean, during COVID, they tried to jack right. You know what I'm saying? So think about that, uh, that they, they tried to pull that uh, situation. And now, I mean, even though they had another one, I still don't know if they brought the same cooks over there because I had the other one before that's right there by that 
a Shell gas station, and it was not the same as that was over there when you crossed the expressway. Um, so yeah, you look at the fact that or it's a um, sister. I was reading. Um, she owns an ice cream shop downtown, and that uh, talked about how they came in there, the the the, the, uh, the rioters and uh, the looters rather. Let me say looters uh, came in there, took stuff they didn't even need. She just asked them to leave her phone. Somebody asked to use the phone. Uh, the person gave it back. It was just so that the, the whoever was else out there could come around and pick them up. Um, and now she's basically out of business because again, the ends. Mm ends our meeting. And I mean, again, I mean, there's a conflicting feeling about um, rioting because one, you feel like it makes people know that this isn't going to go away, but you feel sorry for the people that can't come back from this. You know what I'm saying? Like these big chain stores, I hate to say it, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? But in that, there are going to be other people that's, that, that a lot more other people that can't come back because people just, they don't, they don't do this. There's no strategy to doing this. It's just attack. Um, so I, I feel sorry for these people in this situation, man, moving forward. Hopefully, um, it may not be in, I don't know when some, some of this stuff is going to come back, especially with, uh, the next topic that we have. And that is the first documented case of COVID reinfection, uh, raises new concerns. I wanted to leave from one COVID to another COVID, unfortunately. Um, and that's really made me think today as far as when are we really going to come out of this if we don't have a vaccine just yet? And now we know the antibodies only last so long. So come on, baby. Trump uh, guaranteed by the end of 2020, it's coming. Vaccine. <laughs> yeah, right. I... <laughs> From Hong Kong this morning, the first confirmed case of a patient contracting the coronavirus a second time. Doctors report the patient, a 33-year-old man, was first diagnosed with COVID in late March. His condition then required hospitalization, though the case was mild. Then, four months later, reportedly after returning to Hong Kong from Spain via the United Kingdom, he tested positive again on August 15th and was hospitalized but is asymptomatic. The findings suggest that some patients who recover from COVID may have only short-lived immunity from reinfection. But experts say there is no cause for panic and the reinfection is common with other coronaviruses. I'm not surprised. I think some people will get reinfected. I don't think everybody is going to get reinfected. We know that people develop certain level of immunity against the virus. How long that level of immunity lasts, we don't know. With more than 23 million confirmed cases worldwide, doctors insist that this discovered case of reinfection should not derail the push for a vaccine this tells me is that even for my patients who have recovered from a natural infection, I would still offer them the vaccine because I don't know if they've had a high enough immune response and I don't want to put them at risk for becoming reinfected. Wow, to say the least. Um, so this is a question I thought that dawned on my mind this morning. We keep thinking that everything's going to be back to normal in like a year. When, how long is it going to take to get a herd immunity where enough people have taken the vaccine that when people stop getting as infected as much, and okay, compound that with the fact that we now know that in a, it, within a year, not that like, for instance, the flu, where it's like, it seems like if you have the flu, usually, and there's different strains of the flu, usually you don't get another one to next flu season. It's even in, within the same season, perhaps, or the next season, all right? And now, so I mean seasonal, you can get Corona. So you may get it in the spring, and then you can get it in the summertime, just like this gentleman did. Um, so I, 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 it just makes me think even more that it's going to be a minute 
and I'm saying this to the situation with like the tamale guy, and we're talking about some of these restaurants and some of these businesses uh, and how financially they've been compromised, but it's going to be a minute, and I hate to say it, before we are back to quote-unquote normal, uh, and we haven't even seen what coronavirus is during flu season just yet. I wonder too, Ken, with uh, you know the vaccine when it is available, are we all just going to be smartly taking it and having this herd immunity? I mean, we can't even agree on face masks. And maybe with a vaccine, people are like, oh, I can just go out drinking, so I'm going to get that versus a face mask. But I just wonder, there's probably going to be a, a large section, and depending on how expensive it is too. Oh, that bad, you know, bad boy is going to be free. Right. Don't worry about well, that. That bad boy is going to be free. Right? It better be right. If they do something where, hey, you got to pay for it, how many no. people have been out of work for how long? Like, we aren't just going to buy a vaccine yeah, out gonna, of nowhere. They're going to toss that out of the trucks right there. That You don't have to worry about <laughs> And then, then you wonder with that, if they're just throwing it out there to you, like, should you just be taking it, especially when you don't even know? Hey, let me get that 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 first iPhone or PlayStation before version that the 1.2 version come out. Usually you'd be like, <laughs> And what if one point two is another year? I'm saying, so then it's like get, we got two years of this. Let me get the bugs out of my virus first before we get up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know if uh, society is just going back to normal, like January first, twenty twenty one. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Josh, are you gonna get the vaccine when it first come out? Probably not. How long would you wait before you got the vaccine? TBD. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Sydney, 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 are you going to get the vaccine when it comes out? No. Man, Sid, you got to be out there too. Really? How long would it take before you get the vaccine, Sid? I don't know. <laughs> Sid ain't getting the vaccine. So, all right. So, Sid's never getting the vaccine. Right. How long before? I, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't get the first one, but I, I'd have to do. Like, I would definitely not get it immediately. I'd have to wait for a little bit of research on it, even if it's just preliminary stuff. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, it depends who's, like, if it's Trump-backed vaccine, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be like, oh, I want to put that in my body. <laughs> like, who's the source? Who's actually working on this? And, like, well, it's what's the science to... behind it? Are people criticizing, like, hey, they rush through the stages because, like, what, stage three is, like, human trials or whatever for it a vaccine? Takes, like, are they just rushing through it? it like, takes, is there any criticism of the vaccine, too? It, it usually takes eight years to a decade. To yeah, it takes a long time. A and even, maybe you could speed it up a little, but that's my point. Like, do they speed it up past the point where it's like, no way this thing is good? I mean, listen, they, I like how, and, and again, it could be true. The thing that they're saying, the reason they can speed up the, this vaccine is because you have so many different uh, organizations, pharma, um, schools, different places working on it together all over the place. But wait, we've had the internet now for about 20-something-odd years. There's been, there's been SARS and MERS and H1N1, right? So... Mm -hmm. When HIV. Those, those vaccines, yeah. Those vaccines, when you you could have been collaborative all this time. So what's changed right. so much? Now, maybe, became, I mean, some of those were pandemics too. H1N1 was a pandemic. But what's changed so much that now there's a difference in how you can adjust the time to come up with a vaccine?
Uh, guys, let's get to a little bit of politics. Unfortunately, since we had the RNC this past week, uh, I haven't been, uh, I haven't even been involved. Me and Ryan talked about this off air last week in any of these uh, conventions because it's, I don't need you to lie to me. And I'm saying that on both sides of the aisle. Um, even though one of them lies a hell of a lot more. Yeah, even one of them's insane. Clearly. And it's, I'm not hating. I'm just stating facts. All right. We're, that's, we're just stating facts. Uh, but uh, Joe Biden, of course, you know, since the RNC was this week, they, they got to pump up the DNC. The Democrats have to start pumping up and getting some of the attention back to them. Uh, came out with a, an ad using uh, Bad Bunny as the singer. I definitely have to know what you guys' thoughts of uh, Bad Bunny going in on or leading his vocals to go in on Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. What the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, watching it a second time, it actually is a lot better than it was the first time. Yes, I, I actually agree with you. <laughs> I actually agree with you. It's just like some weird times we live in, man. Again, I, I mean, we know Bad Money is mad popular. Um, and I like how it was mixed, but I don't know if it's going to hit its mark. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially clearly it's going to, it's, it's, it's aimed at uh, the Latin demographic, uh, being that it's in all Spanish. Um, I just hope that you can get, and maybe it's not for older Latinos. So maybe that's why we're more Latinx. For older Latinx um, people, maybe it's for the galvanizing young people to get them out there to vote and also get them to pay attention. Because sometimes it's interesting when you have um, conversations with uh, Latinx uh, people and you, you would think that they would feel for DACA and people and the issues on the border. And some of them just be like, whatever, keep those people on the other side of the border. And it's just like, you, like you one of them token blacks. And once you get in the room, you, you close and lock the door and be like, hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I'm the only one. Y'all, I'm, I'm your only black friend, right? Like, and I'm really talking about it in business and stuff. But like, yeah, you, it always is shocking uh, when you when that that you see, you talk to somebody like that. So I would think that that's why that video uh, was that video. But Sydney Brown, what were your thoughts to that that hot heat Joe Biden just threw at Donald Trump? Uh, it's another example of uh, who can outwit who and who can outsling who for a funny political ad. Because let's be honest here, I don't care if you're talking about local politics or national politics. You know those campaign ads are unfortunately are turned into uh, a stand-up comedy. Who can have the best worst joke? And this, I'm not going to say this one was an example right here, but I'm with you, Ken, especially with the style of music, you're trying to reach a certain demographic in particular here. But uh, for me personally, maybe it's not meant for me personally, but you know me, I don't pay attention to political ads. I try to do my own research, but unfortunately for people who just pay attention to political ads, only this, it only hurts you. It doesn't help you. It's only about slander. Josh? This is what it means when you just stretch to do the most. <laughs> like that, that, that's Joe Biden basically trying to say, you know what? We got to get a young group, but at the same time, they're not black. 
So we got to figure out how to make it work by playing black music, but making it Spanish. Like you're, you're trying too hard, bro. Mm-hmm. Just, just stick to, just stick to what you know. And even though you have other people, um, you know, that can help with that younger audience. I mean, you, you, you're trying too hard with this one, bro. I mean, only thing that's catching is, I mean, the beat and everything was catching. I mean, if you want to, we could definitely pull put out a couple of Coronas in the, in the back and just, hey. Oh, don't you say that. Don't you say that. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. I love Coronas. So I blend in quite well. <laughs> I blend in quite well. Corona me all day when it goes to the beers. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, like we can pretty much get some drinks and just turn up to this in the back and be like, yo, what's this? We're like, I don't know. Let's ask Joe Biden. Talk to this person. Joe Biden. I mean, it's it, he's, he's doing too much to reach his, to reach a certain base of a certain demographic. It's a nice try, but he, he, he to me he did the most with this. I'm listen. The more it's become an earworm in my head, I, I'm starting to really fuck with that. <laughs> yeah. It's catchy. It's catchy. I'll, I'll admit it's you definitely very catchy. <laughs> is it just made for that ad, or is that? I, no, I doubt it. Yo, mama. <laughs> it is nice. Yeah, dude, listen, actually, I'm, it, I take back everything. If I said anything in a negative connotation, I take it all back. I fuck with that back. <laughs> back that right there. I want to see more. Go ahead. For bro. me, I love the ad. You know why? Because he is doing too much. I like mm. that. Because Trump is going to do too much. You got to fight crazy with crazy. I love it. Like, he, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, he stole Keep America Great, the domain name. Like, you start with your campaigns, you start just, like how Tom Brady went to Tampa and just started trademarking everything, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. I mean, mm-hmm. you just trademark everything, so it's all yours. And Biden has been trying to steal all the stuff that Trump, like, forgot to, like, domain names and stuff. Like, that's the kind of dirtiness I need to see out of Joe trying to go after Trump and this exactly with this ad it's made for you know young viewers probably hitting the Latino demographic like you mentioned Ken the Latinx like that's what he should be doing hitting every demographic hard doing too much being like hey who are you gonna go with the guy that's doing too much that isn't crazy or the guy that's doing too much and is crazy so we gonna be cool when he does drop that the baby one or little baby the little baby one when well, no one's saying Joe <laughs> won't go too far because he's already gone too far. They're gonna, they gonna chop lot. up. They're gonna chop in. You ain't black. Joe Biden saying you ain't black if you <laughs> you ain't you ain't black. You ain't black if you vote for him. Wait, I want to ask y'all this question. Sticking with Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, leader of the House, came out and said that she doesn't think that Joe Biden should dignify or legitimize Donald Trump by having any debates with him. Uh, but Joe Biden said he's put up with bullies before, so he's going to go through it. Should Joe Biden debate Donald Trump, bringing some validity perhaps to all this bullshit that comes out of his mouth, uh, or should he not debate Donald Trump? Sydney. Uh, I would like to see everybody debate everybody, but unfortunately in politics it doesn't work that way. People try to protect their own egos and trying to protect their own image. Uh, if you want to debate somebody, actually debate them about the issue instead of, like I said before, we were talking about uh, the ad. You know, start up and start stop debating about uh, who said this, who said that, and who's ugly, who's this, and just get down to real issues. I would like to see everybody debate everybody, but unfortunately we probably won't get it. Let me say this real quick before I go to Ryan. Um, but the only problem, though, Sydney, is we know that 
Trump doesn't deal with facts. So I mean, part of the problem is unfortunately, should you give his give his lies validity because you're giving him a large platform to spew that that ish that he spews, right? Yeah, I'd have to think really long and hard about this if I'm Joe Biden, because I think there's a lot more to lose than to gain potentially in debating Trump. Like, I I can't say this factually. This is my opinion. When he was debating Hillary. I think that those debates, even though Hillary is probably more dead on with everything that she's saying, because Trump, like you said, just lies, I think he looked better than her to a lot of the voters, or it degalvanized her base a little bit, like, ooh, she's not looking as great. And that might be just totally my opinion or perspective, but that's why I feel like in this election, I was trying to go for the anti-Hillary. That's why I was liking Bernie Sanders and some of the others. But Joe Biden is more of that conservative progressive. That's what the DNC really valued. That's why, again, they chose someone like that instead of a Bernie Sanders type. So my thing, like I just said before, you've got to fight kind of crazy with crazy. You've got to go to that level. But if you're going to go and debate Trump, like you got to know that he's going to go all over the place. He's going to try to make a ton of jokes. He's going to just try to make you look like just like you can't handle him. And he feels like that's a victory for him. So if Joe's going to do it, he's got to really be careful with what he says, how he comes across, and just make sure that he doesn't lose momentum. Because if the reporting is true that he's losing momentum in some of these swing states, the last thing you could do is look terrible in a debate against Trump. Go ahead, Josh. But um, to your point, Ryan, we have to define at the same time, what does it mean to look bad in a debate? Because what we know is Trump has always looked bad in the debate, but it's actually been appeasing to the point where he got a, enough base to where he got voted in. So you have to wonder um, from America's and society perspective, do you want to know the comedy show or do you want the reality? Um, at this point, we're kind of over the com- we're part of the, com- uh, you know, the comedy show uh, aspect of things. And that's what all these debates with Donald Trump will always be. It'll be a uh, it'll be a comedy show. It'll be an act. Um, we won't it won't be viewed as serious, even though in the back of his mind, in back of our minds, we know Trump is serious. <laughs> um, so, if I was Joe, I I probably wouldn't even want to engage in that because Trump will eventually talk himself into more issues, talk himself into more uh, debates, even just within society as a general, without having Joe Biden's input or having to go against Joe Biden. I think Joe. Uh, I think Joe Biden pretty much should just stay what he's doing, put with little ads that he can, when, respond to issues when he can, and just just continue to make it chill. Be chill on his responses and be chill in, in, in the way he goes about this, but also being, um, being like you said, be really intelligent as far as how he responds to certain situations. I, I don't think, I think I don't know if it's necessarily right to even have another debate just sitting because of COVID. I mean, you got COVID going on, you're going against all the, all those uh attributes that you wanted us to follow the instructions to follow and things of that sort and that's a whole other discussion for another time but as far as specifically the principles of it um i, I if i'm joe i wouldn't do it i would just let donald trump continue to talk himself up talk himself into more issues and then event, and utilize that as your standing base to eventually inspire others to go to the polls and get you in the, and get you in that seat um, I agree with everything you say, Josh, and that's the rational thing. I think we all kind of agree with this. I think, though, since we are in a different um, echo chamber, 
that this these debates aren't really for us anyway. Uh, this is for middle of the road America. Uh, there are some people who on the table have, am I going to vote for Trump? Am I going to vote for Joe Biden? Now for us, that's preposterous, all right? But there's some people that are still somewhat undecided. Um, and I mean, they live in a different, they live in a different uh, separate echo chamber than the echo chamber we live in. Uh, so one, they view it as two white men going at it and which one is going to do what I like, uh, depending on as far as the economy, but also as far as what's going on out here. In <coughs> so I do think that um, he probably has to. Plus, Trump will probably use that to say that one, uh, Biden is slow and doesn't want to be exposed uh, for, for the, slowish, the sluggishness of his old age, and also that he's scared. And then there's some idiot guys out there that be like, yeah, he is scared. Forget about him. And so I, I think that that's the vein that Joe Biden is looking at it. Also, I think he wants to prove, again, that he can take Trump down uh, tit for tat. He can play the dozens with him in a manner. Because you're going to have to play the dozens with this one. Like, I hope he has like a couple comedy writers on deck. Cause you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to be able to slap yeah. like boy. Like you're gonna have to be able to. Is the call into Larry David yet? You do. You're going to have to be able to slap, slap, especially with the real topics too. What you should do, and I mean, you don't want to be uh, be facetious, but you want to hit him with some of this serious stuff with like some some one liners or some phrases, and get on him the same way he got on Crooked Hillary. You know what I'm saying? To say all the stuff that he does like that. You got to have your stuff ready to go, but also have the facts and also how you're going to help. Because this is the thing, too, that always bothers me. Trump talks as if we don't live in Trump America. He talks about he's the long <laughs> president. Dude, this is going on during your administration. Like, <laughs> and it, uh, we wasn't saying this four years ago in, the, in that eight years right there where it was like destruction, destruction, destruction. I mean, just everything was ratcheted up because one, because of you emboldening racism. Uh, and this is why I always go back to the Kanye stuff and why it's not funny. Because when you embolden these races, you have more Karens out here jumping in somebody's face, calling the cops on them unjustly. You have more cops out here thinking that you mean, my racist thoughts in my head are validated. All right, so I'm going to do what the hell I'm going to do out here. It's not, it's not just simple as that you're just talking and there's no ramifications for it, especially when you're sitting in, in the seat, the big largest seat of 1600 Pennsylvania. All right, guys, uh, we've got to switch over. Um, listen, um, the ratings love this man just like uh, the My Pillow do. Uh, Tucker Carlson claims the 70-year-old Kenosha shooting uh, decided to maintain order when no one else would. Uh, so we have a video of him discussing how Rittenhouse was just out there doing it. Out there when he wasn't even supposed to be out there since Kerry is 18 and he's 17, he still Kerry. Uh, and uh, you can't have guns in uh, Wisconsin if you're a minor, I believe. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. He's 17, and you got to be 18. So anyway, uh, this is uh, Tucker Carson coming in with that 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 heat and that venomous that he spews so well. George Floyd protests on Memorial Day has reached its inevitable and bloody conclusion. Last night, three people were shot on the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Two of them have died. Police say they've charged a 17-year-old with murder. Tucker Carlson opened his show Wednesday night on the ongoing unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, following the police shooting of an unarmed black man, Jacob Blake, on Sunday. Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old from Illinois, was charged with first-degree murder for the shooting deaths on Tuesday in Kenosha. But Carlson appeared to defend Rittenhouse's actions. Were you really surprised that looting and arson accelerated to murder? 
How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Everyone could see what was happening in Kenosha. It was getting crazier by the hour. Although the police in Kenosha were clearly out in full force, there was an 8 p.m. curfew, and the Kenosha police chief blamed the victims themselves for breaking that curfew. Carlson looked to deflect blame from Rittenhouse, a staunch Trump supporter. People immediately took to Twitter to condemn Carlson's comments, and the hashtag FireTuggerCarlson started trending soon after the segment aired. Kenosha has devolved into anarchy because the authorities in charge of the city abandoned it. People in charge from the governor of Wisconsin on down refused to enforce the law. They stood back and they watched Kenosha burn. Well, guys, that's Tucker doing that Tucker Carlson that he does so well. Uh, Is it crazy for 17-year-olds to grab guns and maintain no, law and order? Yes. Not, in yes, another it is, Tucker. Wait, in another state. He crossed, he, he crossed state lines with that heat, right? That's, listen, that's a federal offense problem. Shuddy crossed state lines with that heat, all right? And we are here like, man, listen, Shuddy did had to do what he had to do. No, listen, this is another thing. Again, I mentioned earlier in the show that we are definitely sad for these owners of these businesses, especially ones that won't be able to come back. But when is a, a human's life ever less than property? All right, it, like and we and, and but see, this is also us. And the, you, if you pay attention and listen to them, they tell you all the time how they can, um, they can, they can rate someone's life and his value as far as like just when you saw like Jacob Blake, his value was low. Um, when you see the white man following the, the lady uh, police officer around the van, uh, and he's coming to her, she has the gun on him, and she's walking away from him, walking away from his value was high. Uh, even if there were white people that were out there demonstrating because they were out there, their value was low and they deserved to die. Because as far as we know, none of those people committed any crimes, did any lootings, burnt down any buildings whatsoever. They were just out there protesting. And due to the fact that they were protesting something that you don't agree with, you have lowered the value in their life and said that it's okay for a 17-year-old boy to take their lives. It was ridiculous. And it tells you the um, cesspool that we're living in in America right now. You know what? This is a perfect example of Tucker Carlson pulling the old playbook from Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, and his uh, forefather Angers up before mm -hmm. him. So I'm not surprised at what he uh, what he said. Uh, if if those people have broken uh, the the law, broke broke curfew, they should be arrested and prosecuted to the extent of the law. But like you say, kid, is it's almost like the shove and dribble analogy. If if I agree with you on something, okay, you cooling on that, but the moment I disagree with you or something, uh, everything should be, th uh, the book should be thrown at you, shove and dribble, and uh, you should be thrown in hell and never come out. So uh, I'm not surprised with what Tucker Carlson did here. Oh, uh, it's Tucker Carlson. Go ahead, Josh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that, like you said, it's Tucker Carlson and, we're on, and you're on Fox. I mean, come on, bro. <laughs> that's kind of the, that's kind <laughs> of the, that's kind of the giveaway with that. But even, even more as a black man's perspective, like J. Cole said it best, what's the price of a black man's life? And the fact that there's not one zero in sight, unless he dribbles and fiddles with mics. Like they view us as in, if you are not a professional athlete, if you're not viewed as someone that is making money and is entertaining us, you have no business in society. And that's the unfortunate reality. And 
that's why a lot of people are getting, that's why the NBA has gotten so much pushback for their protests and things of that sort, because they don't view them as human beings. They view them as property. Like Ken mentioned, they view them as you are making my money. So mm. because of that, you are affecting my top dollar, which means we have to reprimand you for that. That's the same. That's, it's been, that's, that's slavery. That's the economic system that made America, America since we got here. So because of that, how can we look at the situation viewed so differently when you have someone like Jacob Blake, who was, whether he had an arrest or not, unjustifiable, whatever the case may be, it didn't deserve for him to be pretty much attempted to die and he had to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. When you have someone like uh, whatever this, the guy's name that, that was doing the killing and he was walking around here with- Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse and he has a whole AK-47 just walking down the street like, yo, what's up? And the cops are actually walking with him back to wherever they're going to. And they're just saying, yeah, he, oh, he cool with us. He cool with us. Like, you can tell that it's just another bold layer of race, racial discrimination, of, of racial tactics to a point where I think what, what made Trump, Trump's emboldness and embracing of this racial tension is just adding more layers, more gasoline to the fire to a situation like this is, is becoming a norm that even though, even back to the 60s was a norm. Like this is just history repeating itself. And it's just transforming in a, in a, in a, in a way where even though we shouldn't be surprised by this, it's so unfortunate and so outlandish that we have no choice but to react the way that we react. And real quick, uh, Ryan, uh, not, not to say that it matters, it was AR-15, but go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. I don't know my guns. I don't know my guns. I just know at the end of the day, the mother was loaded. The MF was loaded. Let me say this. Let me say this real quick. You know, another thing that ag aggravated me about when the cops let him walk past, and now they said that they, they, they were going to another call, basically, that there was shots being, uh, that someone, there were some shots being fired. They didn't know anybody that had been hit. Um, but these guys are trained, or if they were just the National Guard, are trained to know the sound of a pistol going off and AR-15. You, you, one, because you probably have handled them, you may own them. So when you probably heard an assault rifle go off and you see a kid walking with his hands up with the assault rifle, but none of y'all stop to say, okay, kid, what the hell are you doing? But Ryan, please go ahead. With Kyle Rittenhouse, I'm going to be very interested to see how this plays out because, one, like, watching the video, it looked like he was scared of his freaking bloomers when he killed somebody, and he was running away. And then when the other protesters were trying to point out to the police officer, there's a shooter, there's a shooter, and trying to get him or destabilize him, whatever the correct term is, but basically take him down and control him, uh, he killed another person and then wounded another person. All the victims, I believe, are white that he shot and hurt. You know, does this suddenly become like, because they let him go, they didn't bring charges. Is it because of the racial factor? Does they charge prosecuted him. harder and they faster? Charge, they charge yeah, him. Yeah, not at first, though. Oh, not at first. No, not at first. No, he has like, like yes, two first degrees. Yes, it, um, like a first degree attempted homicide or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah. he what he was like you pointed out, Ken. Like he got back to the cops after he did this. They didn't do anything. They let him walk freely. You go, and then later on, what a day later or something. That's when they brought him on charges. Yeah. Does this because he like I said the racial part of it because it was white people dying. Does that change the factor? Do we get Kyle Rittenhouse prosecuted right away and in jail right away? 
So I'm going to be interested to see how that part unfolds mm. because, I mean, come on, a 17-year-old going up to another state like we're talking about with heavy firearms. Like this is mm -hmm. AR-15 is a real ass gun. Mm -hmm. There's not that no gun isn't real ass, but this gun is especially real compared to a pistol. And he's just going there unloading because he wants to be a police officer in the future. Like, man, he should be tried as an adult and he should get a stiff penalty for this. Like this, this isn't like, hey man, you just you were doing your thing. Like, this is ridiculous. You got to make sure that none of this kind of crap happens anywhere in the country. Because if you got people just picking up guns, like, what are we doing here? And you know, on top of that, you know, if it was a bunch of brothers out there with AR-15s walking around, they, oh, yeah. they would have stopped that right away. They wouldn't have allowed that. And you you sitting there and you're allowing these guys in this, this, this ratcheted up environment to bring weapons into it. Like... What do you expect is going to happen? Like, it's just, when did America just decide to have brain farts consistently? Because it seems like that is all that we're doing right now. Josh, uh, you brought up uh, the NBA, and I wanted to know uh, what you guys thought about the Wildcat strike. Because I don't see a lot of people using that phrase. I only saw uh, Pablo on ESPN using it, use it, and I found, that, found it maybe a, three days ago. Because it's not a boycott, it's a union that's not following the players that well, participants in the union not following structure from up top. Um, did it guys, so did, wasn't it effective? Uh, do you think, you know, from our text chain, there was discussion about that the players should have, uh, held strike longer. Uh, do you think that, uh, do you think that it, they, they should have done it? Or what are your opinions on the wildcat strike by the NBA players that affected, uh, all, all four of the uh, major sports, uh, here in America? I believe, I believe it was effective. Um, the NBA has always been the, the the first league to do the social, to promote the social justices and actually act upon what it means to be socially just. Um, and quite frankly, this is nothing new from the NBA as far as the players, what they represent, and what their mission was to do. I mean, they did go to the bubble to play and finish out a season, but they made it known that this is going to be a social justice movement within the league. Um, as they go down to the bubble to play. And the WNBA made that known as well. And we got to give a shout-out to the WNBA because they've been really, really taking off. The biggest shout-out to the yes, WNBA. Yes, the biggest for, for taking the leads and really taking these uh, protests and these strikes to, to, to that extra level. But getting back to the NBA, per se, um, yeah, they, they could have gone longer. Um, I, I think they could have, you know, really done that. But at the end of the day, it was – it was, it, it was a lot of components that had to be constru uh, constructed in order for it to really be the success that they really wanted it to be. I believe it's successful because of the fact that even though it, it couldn't have, it, even though it could have been more successful, it took an effect on other sports professional leagues for, to where they, have, they decided to do the same thing on their end and as well get the national attention that it deserved as far as why they decided to do this. But at the, and, you can't, and you can't unjustify that. That's what the NBA is known for doing. So, you, so as far as the protest and the strike itself, I think it was success. But the fact that many players didn't, they, there was a lack of communication behind it. There was a lack of unity behind it as far as how it was going to be done. And the fact that even after that, there really wasn't an original plan of how you were going to combat the strike. Like, well, there was no personal actual agenda as far as what they're striving to achieve out of this strike. That kind of concerns me, and that's what LeBron meant. Well, one of the things that 
was mentioned about LeBron and why he was so upset with it. Because LeBron is a man about action. He's a man about implementing a legit plan to strive for achievement. And especially when it comes to social uh, social uh, justice. And yeah, and this unfortunate, this strike did not fully, you know, apply with that until LeBron spoke up and they had to come together and come up with what they recently just did. But that's the, I think that's my only criticism of it. Outside of that, I think it was a success and it was something that was needed. And I'm glad the NBA did it because if not them, who else would have done it? Nobody. Um, I think that, yeah, they could have they could have held out a little bit longer. But I look at the ramifications of what they did in getting all those other hockey was like, yeah, we need to chill out, right? Um, and it, it put everything back to what are we really doing. And you know another thing, too, that I like the fact that they did it? Regardless of if um, Jacob Blake has committed offenses in the past, they put the scope on, it's not about just about your character, it's about your life. Uh, and like, cause that's, we always know, especially when it comes to people of color, that they always gonna bring out the worst about you. And I'm not, I'm, as I'm saying that to usually people that haven't committed any offenses or whatever. Um, so, it, and it, I, I like the fact that nationally, it's not, we don't sit here and talk about, um, well, what type of person are you? I mean, they tried to do it to Ahmaud Arbery. You know, he's in there. Even though everyone goes in this house, he's in there. So he's black. He has to be doing something. Uh, I forget the gentleman in Atlanta that uh, had the uh, stun gun uh, that was killed about two months ago. Uh, his name his name escapes my mind right now. Uh, but they tried to do the same thing to him. But nationally, I don't feel like people are letting those narratives sink in like they would have in years past. And we kind of saw that with Brian Erlacher. Uh, with the dog whistles pulled off, but uh, go ahead. Uh, I was totally behind it. Like I, I totally respect the players using their platform as they have been to try to just continue to spread awareness. They talk about how difficult it is being in the bubble when they want to be outside, trying to make a difference in their communities and across the nation. So that's got to be really tough. And I think that this break for them probably helped a lot of their mental anxiety towards, you know, I'm just kind of focused here on a game when I'd rather be focused on uh, everyday life. I I definitely felt like, you know, take as much time as you needed, but you needed to kind of come back in a way because I I just think that their platform is so needed right now. And Mm -hmm. for the NBA to just go silent for, let's say, till next season – you know, obviously they would still be doing very positive things. No one is just boycotting so I can go home and sit in my house. Like people are boycotting to do something to try to make real change. And they want the owners to obviously step up and play a much bigger role in that, which will lead to a much, uh, much needed change in terms of legislation and policy. Cause these are very powerful people within the communities that they're in. So I have no problem with the strike, with the boycott. I'm, I'm glad they came back in a way, but I completely understand if they wanted to hold out longer for specific changes. But, you know, I, I kind of hesitate a little bit to, to judge it either way. Cause I don't know what's being said behind closed doors. Maybe they're making a lot of headway in certain areas. Who knows? We don't know, but I think that none of these players would have just came back just for the paycheck or just because people are asking them to play basketball. I think that, they're coming back because they feel that they've made progression 
and that they're going to see some progression carried out throughout this bubble. I was surprised when, when they mentioned when Chris Paul was talking to the players uh, and talking about action that he made, he, he suggested that only 20% of them are actually registered, registered to vote. And um, I, I'm not putting that on just those players. I feel like a lot of people, and, including young people, don't take action. And that's one of the reasons, even though the Electoral College put Trump in there anyway, Hillary won the popular vote. Um, but still, the fact that we're still giving away elections, and I know that we feel like necessarily that either we're, we're choosing the lesser of two evils, or I'm not getting enough out of this, so why do it? But it's always better to have a lesser evil than a greater evil in when you're a person of color. Sid? I think uh, in the short term, the protests have worked because, uh, first of all, shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks because uh, they did it without any outside influences. They actually got the Wisconsin Attorney General on the call, so they got answers from him and other uh, elected officials from their state as well. You understood why they did because they played their home games uh, in Wisconsin, even though they're in a bubble right now. So, but the NBA got got it. I think got it right in some aspects, short term. But we'll see how how this works long term because of the initiatives that was uh, set up uh, during this time of the shutdown. And I'll give the NBA credit for this. Uh, the, all 30 of their arenas will be used as polling places on election day on November 3rd. So I'll give them two thumbs up for that. I just want to see, along with the NBA, what is Major League Baseball doing? What is the NHL doing? What is MLS doing out, outside of the playing fields? So, but we can't judge that until years down the road and see uh, what, what they're doing. Change takes time. It took us a long time to get here. It's going to take us a long time to reverse this. So, and for the short short term, it did work, but it's going to be years before we judge how to see how the, these programs and these action plans work long term. You know, the inter- you know, I'm not knocking it. Um, I'm happy that they're turning these arenas into voting sites, but I'm and there is importance to it because some people are going to vote in person. But when we're still dealing with COVID, and like I know I'm voting by mail. Usually we go as a family, but the last time and it was actually when COVID had already started. I believe it was in April's election, um, mm-hmm. Kelsey touched something at, at, in, in the poll. And it was like, come on now, girl. Like, in, uh, So I know I'm voting by mail, and you're going to have so many more people voting by mail. I don't think they could do anything to help the mail system. Um, but I would just it's just interesting. Like, this would be good if we weren't in COVID. It would be better. I shouldn't say good. It would be even better if we weren't trapped in shelter in place for the most part uh, to do this. But I'm just that's just something that I, I noticed. But please go right ahead. Sid, you got something else you want to say? No, that's all I had to say. I will say uh, with the COVID thing real quick with the NBA arenas, at least you have a lot of exits and opens, and you Mm. can keep people apart. Like usually these gymnasiums, it's like one, two entrances. You're you're right, you're right. And everybody's kind of coming through the same place. But see, the only thing is, and you're you're still right, uh, usually in these situations, they don't, they don't want to use all the interests, interests because you don't want people coming and going, usually trying to funnel them through. But you're right, it's still a lot more space for them to, uh, to pull it off. All right, let's – go ahead, go ahead, Josh. No, and I was going to say, even on top of that, what's more important to me is the fact that you've been here being able to have the access to the vote. So if you're going to have the voting arenas, you know, if you're going to utilize your arenas to, you know, open it up for voting – are you going to actually have people that maybe still be working or people that may not always fit in the right time frame to which the availability is going to be open for the arenas? 
are they going to be actually going to have the time to come to the arena to actually vote? Um, we know that voting has a, some states have a time limit on when you can vote. If, it, if you can't work around it, then sucks for you. And it's very unfortunate that we have that on top of, especially if it's not, even though a lot of companies don't even, they're starting to make these uh, big days like a national holiday, mm -hmm. but not all companies are like that. You got some people that work overnight shifts. You got some people that will still work all throughout the day when most polling places are open. So if you're going to utilize that, I think you also have to work with the government to make sure that you have to give people the correct access to any time of the day, pretty much, especially on that election day, to actually come to the arena and actually vote. All right, guys, um, Hall of Famer. Um, he was my little linebacker. It, it used to be like this. It used to be Red Lewis, Brian Urlacher, right? Then Cap took a knee. I said, all right, I'm going to just go with the home team. I put her lack. Now, we know Ray Lewis is greater than lack. Not by it's not a schism, but Ray Lewis is greater than lack. Said, all right, I'm gonna just put lack up here because Ray Lewis is bugging, right? So lack, of course, and we talked about it on the show months ago. Was at the White House, um, gave Trump his jersey, and I said that's cool because at that point his brother Casey or Lacka was in trouble uh, for some type of fraud or something. He was doing his marriage. oh yeah, that's right, oh, yeah, right. So I said, go ahead, man, try to make sure your brother's not gonna get in trouble. I mean, I don't have a problem. I mean, if he's handing out pardons to everybody, let me That's see if I saying. get Casey one. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> I was like, you know what, Lack, whatever, <laughs> go ahead and do it. Uh, but then we saw what he posted, uh, I, I, I believe, I don't know if it was Instagram or Twitter, but he posted this. Uh, Brett Favre played a Monday night football game the day his dad died, threw four TDs in the first half, and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude reaching for a knife wanted uh, wanted on a felony sexual assault, was shot by the police. Uh, Erlacher also had a post saying, uh, free cow or Rittenhouse, Patriot Lives Matter. Ugh. He liked that. He liked, uh, 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 he liked uh, a picture of that. So that's what, uh, that's what our newly quaffed middle linebacker uh, thinks about everything that's going out. Uh, Matt Forte uh, had a, a, good, a nice uh, couple tweets uh, talking about Erlacher's privilege and not being able to see what's really going on due to his wealth and privilege, um, uh, which is, is facts. Um, it's, it's funny because sports usually bring people together, and I think we all fell into a narrative of Erlacher being the leader of those teams that, uh, you know, he was really, and I hate you using this phrase, invited to the cookout. You know what I'm saying? And, like, it was like, oh, yeah, you, you know, and it's all right if he's over there kissing on Latifah. Usually we don't even allow that, right? But it's like, go ahead, Lack, you can have a few of them. <laughs> and, um, you know. I mean, he was beloved in that locker room. Yeah, dude. And to see, he was known as a unifier. I was reading an article in the Tribune uh, yesterday talking about how he was known as a unifier um, and, and as someone that wasn't an um, egotistical uh, superstar. Uh, but to know that in these years, if they, maybe this is how he always felt, um, or maybe this is how, you know, why he's been in a, a, a different vacuum, an echo chamber, not being in a locker room. Uh, these are the people that he's around, and maybe they have uh, given him a different uh, point of view when it comes to social justice that matters right now. But um, there was definitely a lack of sensitivity uh, in that tweet. And for someone who has a black son, um, it's frightening because I feel for that boy not to be able to go and talk to his father because when you know your father has certain uh, certain beliefs, it's hard for you, especially as a child, to buck them 
and say, Dad, I don't agree with that, especially when you, for the most part, you want to make your dad happy, you know, so your, your dad's Brian Urlacher, right? Um, so, like, how do you even have, and listen, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being um, naive. Um, how do you have talks and discussions with him about the things that a black male goes through when you don't know? You know what I'm saying? And this, this speaks to what you don't know. When you say stuff like this, it speaks to a lack of sensitivity, but of ignorance. There's, there's, there, and it's worse than ignorance because it's like you don't want to know. It's not that you, you don't know. It's you don't want to know, but you should know because you have been around black people probably since high school as far as, as playing sports. So, um, Brian Urlacher, um, I don't care. Um, he's not my middle linebacker. Mike Singletary is not my middle linebacker. He can break it back. <laughs> yes. The samurai. Yes. yes, he's terrible in coverage, and he had an awesome defensive line. Hey, they didn't need it back then. But uh, listen, i say this much. Please, Dick Buckus, don't step out in the streets crazy. All right? Like, <laughs> oh, man, I was going to take his Dick Buckus to double down on this. Like, oh. He, not Bill George, no. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From the grave. I was the first person. I took two steps back from the line, and I created the middle linebacker position. But the first, <laughs> the reason I really took two steps back, oh. from the line, both of my defensive tackles was black. I didn't line up with them. In <laughs> Bill George, Calera right? Holmes, Jackie, so I can go ahead and tackle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Bill. Sid, Sid, uh, no. wait, Sid. I know you got a Brian Urlacher jersey, don't you? Yes, it's not moving out of this closet for a while, so don't worry. Oh, <laughs> uh, so do you know what you need to do to that jersey? You need to it's look got the LeBron <laughs> Cleveland treatment. You need to LeBron that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, I know it's your property. But you need to let that jersey, that jersey meet it's the sky. Fun. See, like, I don't know about you guys. Like, I like Brian Erlanger because he was a bear and everything, but I never really wanted his jersey or never felt he was my favorite player because, first of all, I'm an offensive guy. I like the offensive side better. <laughs> and I, I just didn't love an inside linebacker being our best player when I'm seeing, like, Brett Favre on the Packers, like Randy Moss on the Vikings, and all these uh, terrific playmakers that are basically taking their teams to Super Bowls. But I would imagine for a lot of Chicagoland, it was a very rough end of the week for them seeing that. Because I know a few people that texted me like, and I even texted them like, oh, your guy, what's going on here? They're, they're all just heartbroken about Brian Lecker. It's yeah. tough, huh? Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's <laughs> interesting. I see. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. That is an interesting thing. I'm with you on that. It ain't tough. It, fuck him. <laughs> Thank you, sir. But please guys, continue. I think I actually had this thought because obviously I don't know Erlacher like that. I haven't really followed him like that. Yeah, I had a jersey, but I did not wear it that often. I was more of a Devin Hester guy, so that's what I originally wanted. And I didn't even ask for the jersey. It was bought and given to me as a gift, so I didn't wear it. I actually wore a uh, uh, Muhammad jersey. I forgot his name. Is it Masan Muhammad, the wide receiver for the Bears? Oh, yeah. I actually had his jersey, and I wore that more than the Erlacher. So I don't even claim the Erlacher jersey. But anyways. Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. No, but anyways, I was just saying, I actually had this thought in my mind that, you know, 
since he plays a uh, played a position that was very physical, I actually kind of wondered could this part be could this potentially part of the CTE treatment where like I, I mean I, he could have been this way we don't really know but you just wonder because he was the boldness and then you know I don't know I guess the way it all went down I, it made me do one like is this could this potentially be like a CTE type of situation that's just it me could be. I don't it could know. be it could like, we'll be we'd be being facetious if we said it couldn't be and um. Hard to tell how much of that could potentially play into I mean, yeah. him saying that versus not. But, but you guys don't think like this was like Drew Brees in Chicago? Yeah. All I these think, people like, I think especially if you were a black fan of Brian Urlacher, like thinking he was one of your favorite players. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's it's. I think if you were a fan in general, but I know what you're getting at. Um, hopefully, if you're a fan in general, it, it's something. Not just if you're white, you're like, I don't care. Like, you're stating facts. Oh, you know that people were like that. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I know mm-hmm. I know. it's feeling that, feeling like that out in Wheaton. Well, and I don't know I'm not saying that. See, I was going to go for Wisconsin. I was thinking, man, those <laughs> Wisconsin Bear fans, out, they must out have there loved. And, and out sipping Mount Greenwood, buying more like jerseys than ever. In our, our sundown city. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I probably said right now. <laughs> Where I'm about to move to one of them sundowns. <laughs> Where my son can't even leave the house at night. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, he has to live outside the county lines. Fuck him, fuck him for life. And again, I shouldn't say that. Um, perhaps uh, he can have a, 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 a coming to reality moment. Uh, kind of realize what's going on. Can he come back from this? Maybe. It depends on how much. It depends on, I don't want to say apology, but the turn. If it's genuine, um, you know, when he, when he speaks, it seems like he's really tried to go out there and learn about others, which he should have already, again, having a, a young black male in your house. Um, but, yeah, I think he could come back from this. He could just, he can, there are going to be people, um, and Drew Brees did it quickly, mm-hmm. even though he had done it in the past and nobody had brought it back up. He brought it back mm-hmm. up. Um, and people weren't calling people out that were saying that stuff, just like uh, Jerry Jones hitting the bunker for a few months um, before he even came out and the shit he came out and said still wasn't enough. If you, listen, we talking about like a fan. I, I'm always looking sideways, especially if they're not from like Texarkan, whatever. At black cowboy fans, I mean, like diehard cowboy fans, like Laker fans, be like, what the hell are you a Laker fan, right? And even though I get how you're a fan of other uh, teams in other cities, growing up, I was a 49ers fan uh, because of Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Jerry Rice. Ugh, fuck the 49ers. Fuck a you. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, it, I, it would be hard for me to be a Cowboys fan knowing my, my, my own account said you better not nail in the first place. And then was basically like, man, we gotta we gotta come to grips with something. I'd be like, dude, listen. At first off, I'm on the team. Uh, depending on how much I'm getting paid, I'm trying to get out of that contract. I'm trying to get the book up out of there. Uh, if I'm Earl Thomas, I don't know Earl Thomas need a place to land. I know he loved him some Cowboys. I ain't trying to go there. Like, I, why? Why am I gonna benefit? There's a lot of players that want to go there, and I don't understand. I totally like why. It's because of that star is. It make it, it bring in it bring it, it, it does. Yeah, different. It you know does. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. so, it hit harder than that uh, Cleveland Brown money. Yeah, it hits harder than <laughs> that. that. That Brown money, <laughs> short money. That Cowboys money, especially 
a position. I mean, look at look look at what it's done for. Um, what's what's the name? It used to be the uh, the, the quarterback uh, that this does calls the football game. Tony Romo. Which one, Tony Romo or Troy Aikman? Great point. <laughs> but both of them. But look what it did for Romo in particular. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like, Romo. It was right away. He was in the booth or whatever. I mean that the same thing with Aikman at the time. Yeah, it's been a while. But as soon as he, but at least Aikman out, has three five. Super Bowls. Ah, good one, Sydney. Throwing that in in the Romo's face. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Take that, Tony, you piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Facts, facts, facts. Man, we had three ex-Cowboys for a second when Jason Witten was doing Monday Night Football. What the hell is that? The Cowboy, that, listen, it's different, man. It's it's a different. They got Daryl Johnson on Fox. He's been there for oh, about yeah. 20 years. <laughs> the pullback. Yeah. All right, listen, uh, we've got two more topics. We'll get out of here. Um, a man in St. Louis bar likes a, cigar, uh, likes a cigarette while ignoring, ignoring an armed, uh, armed robber. And I want to know if you guys would do this if you were in the same situation. Watering hole that's been in business since before World War II, where butt heavy is still cool and pride is king. A comfortable living room kind of bar where people just kind of go to get away from their life and, and, and be comfortable somewhere where they don't have to kind of deal with stuff. But Wednesday, they did have to deal with some stuff for only the second time in 83 years that anyone knows of. Look up over the door and there's some guy there with an awfully big gun. Someone tried to rob the place. That was the sketchy thing to me, him being so erratic. The lone gunman waved what police say was a heavily modified pistol around the room, ordering people on the ground and demanding their money and phones. But when he came to one of the regulars, something unusual happened. He was a wild card that the guy wasn't expecting. Not another punk. Trying to pull a punk move. Tony Tovar refused to comply. I'm so tired of people in South City think that they can control people because they want to muscle their way in with firearms or bad attitudes or you know, some kind of aggression. People who were there say after that, the robber settled for the cash drawer and left. No one was hurt, and just about everyone but Tony thinks he's a big reason why. A lot of us want to be like that. A lot of people want to stand up to somebody like that, but when a gun is pointed at you, I don't know if any of us would react that way. I just had a really good feeling that he wasn't out to harm anybody. He just wanted drug money. But it's probably not your best interest if they have a loaded fire gun, you know, firearm. I wouldn't suggest that to just anybody. Would you do it differently? Absolutely not. Casey Nolan, five on your side. All right. Let me, can I just say something? That man had a death wish. That's what that was. That man was hoping to get shot. Don't even listen to that bullshit. He was there for that hard drink. You can hear it. In his voice, he needed that drink that night. And he was lighting up. And he's like, ooh, life has given me opportunity to leave. <laughs> he was begging for it. That is some bullshit. All right, That's all my right. analysis of that video. My first thing is, how do, why do, how do you know that he needed drug money? Brother, right. drug money. But it's, it's saying that he needed drug money. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, I feel like, man, I've always wanted to pull one of these. I don't know if I would, having a family. Because you don't have a death wish like this guy. But sometimes you know they punk, and it's just like, man. But also, I'll have to say this. If I was robbing someone, 
and they did that to me, I may have to shoot them. Now, I've never robbed anybody, but I think the rules of the robbery suggest that if you disrespect me in that manner, I, maybe I'm just a little one to the side, which is still deadly. <laughs> I mean, at least fire around, right? I'm just saying, y'all can't have you do. Listen, he he botched the robbery so much, dude. Then he get the wallets and the phones. He only got the cash box, right? Who knows what? Who knows the the funds that were left on the table? Do you not show? <laughs> Showing that, that these dudes need to be respecting you when you up in the house. It's a, it's a, I mean, in the video, he tries ripping something away from him. And his phone. He tried to like, rip his phone from Gunshot him. right now. <laughs> that is disrespect. I know Cal Rudenhouse would have popped his ass quick. Oh, my God. And then run out the door crying. Right. <laughs> With his hands up. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I just wanted. I'm sorry. I took it. I went too left right there. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, Sid, would you have done it? I know, Sid, I know Sid may pull some shit like that, right, Sid? No, I, I would have been like, here, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I would have gave Shuddy that shit. I don't like, need a smoke. I'll go on the ground. I remember <laughs> um, in the 90s, late, late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s, rather, um, my dad used to always talk to me and my friend about if someone tried to carjack us, give up the car. We was like, we ain't giving up shit. And part of the reason back then is they were shooting, they was carjacking and still shooting people. And it was like, I'd rather take my chance in the wind than having been standing outside and you just be like, I got your car, blah, 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 take two with you. Like, so I, I so, but as when I got older and um, I had kids and I, my values shifted and I, I used to think, man, somebody was trying to steal my car, just give me my kid, you can take this motherfucker, right? Like, go about your day, you can have it. Uh, man, none of my uh, possessions are worth anything to a certain degree uh, if it stops me from being with my family or can harm my family. So now, of course, I would have given dude whatever. Um, I probably, in some cases, outside of that, I would have given them whatever. But a part of me back in the days, I, I may have been like, fuck it. But that was only like 10%. That's just a small little tinge. It would have mean, it, it depends on how much hoe I saw in his eyes, which was still would have been stupid. Because whole motherfuckers kill people, too. Yeah. Right? But that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'd be like, listen, I'd be bleeding out. I'd be like, what are you giving this shit? I'd be like, I thought he was a hoe. You have those lying eyes. Lying <laughs> <laughs> <Nine> eyes. <laughs> oh, and watch it, you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I swore. I swore I thought he was a hoe. <laughs> Oh, shit. I love oh, uh, shit. how they said how bud heavy the place is. Oh, right, right. That's right. why already I know he has a death wish. Anybody that's trying to get bud heavy, you you just tapped out. You're trying to get out of here. Like I've had enough. Life is over. I've had my run. It's time to go. It's St. Louis though, <laughs> so maybe it's, since it's the hometown brewery. But I'm with you. I can't. Don't. I don't even think bud is 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 is, is terribly nasty. I haven't had I it in years. Yeah, but okay. So. I, out of the regular, not craft beers, which ones is your favorite? I would take, I actually don't mind any of them. I like them all to a certain degree. Miller, Coors, even natch, Natty Lights, Bush Light, but Bud is way at the bottom. I can't stand Bud. I used to think, I used to drink <laughs> High Life back in the day, but when I was drinking beers, you know, I was just drinking uh, craft IPAs for the most part. So, Is it the best? 
Yeah, if it's not an IPA, I really don't. And I don't care what season it is, I, I would drink an IPA. Uh, but if it's not an IPA, I don't fuck with it. So I'm, I'm a somewhat of a snob uh, when it comes to beers uh, now. If you came in my house with a bunch of those, I would drink one, maybe. And I mean, again, one, I don't really drink beer. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you leave it in my house. You was like, here, all these, 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 these uh, domestic. Except my gifts of Budweiser. No, no. Get the hell out of here. I can tell you, you may as well take them with you, because I'm not drinking them shits. Hey, I don't blame you. I would say I'll take it from you. I'll take it from you, Ken. I will let you take it. I'll take it from you. I'll finish it. I should have known from the red on your wall that you're a Bud man. Bud's got to stick together, man. We got to stick together. Last one, guys. On the 65th anniversary of Emmett Till's murder, uh, ABC announced its decision to move forward on a project spotlighting the legacy of Till's mother, Mammy Elizabeth Till Mobley. According to reports from the deadline, the six-part series titled Woman of the Movement is going to tell the story of Mobley's journey to becoming an educator and an activist as she sought justice for the racially charged murder of her son. The project written by uh, Marissa Joe Sierra and produced by Jay-Z, Will Smith, and Aaron Kaplan. Um, I'm excited to see this, and especially in these times, it's good to have something that takes us back to uh, one of the, the crucibles of what this what this 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 country has done to black people, let alone a black man, through racism and lynching. Um, <clears throat> and I think it, we need stuff like this. Would be a good time, you know. This is a good time. I know people hate to uh, go back to slavery, and I, I kind of get that sentiment uh, some of the times. It would have, and this I mean this if this movie, this series had never come out. This would have been a great time for Roots to come out, right? Like this, especially while we're COVID, we're shelter in place. This would have been a fantastic time to have a miniseries like something like Roots or something like that. Even if it was so something of the civil rights movement, this would have been a terrific time where so many of us are, are, aren't moving around and, 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 and only thing we have is our phones, but we can't uh, get into everything out in the world like we would be and we are paying more attention to the same thing at the same time. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Shout out to Jay-Z and Will Smith and Marissa Josier. Um, it's going to be, I hope it's going to be good. I wonder how much of, I wonder how much of Emmett Till are they going to show since the mom said, open the casket. Uh, Mammy wanted the casket open uh, so people could see the injustice done upon her child. Uh, I wonder how graphic it necessarily is going to be, especially again, getting back to these times where perhaps we need to see uh, something as graphic as, as what happened to that poor Chicagoan young man when he was down south uh, and got lynched for a lie some white lady told him. Josh? No, I'm excited to see this as well, um, especially since what Jay-Z did production-wise with the Trayvon Martin story mm -hmm. was very uh, inspirational and very in-depth. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of the similar things when it comes to this production. And Will Smith, we know Will Smith is a hell of an actor, but he's also a hell of a producer, too. And to put them, put those two great minds together to create, to help reenact a story uh, of reality, especially from a women's perspective, um, is going to be very intriguing. I'm going to be, uh, I'm be interested to see how they're going to portray that uh, that story, and especially since she really was an icon. Emmett mom was really was truly an icon for women activism, and her her decision to make the open casket the uh, the way that she did was so um beyond its time that if this, if that happened now we would we still would think like that okay this this woman crazy like this yeah. was done way back when it was completely unacceptable to do that so mm. 
um, she was she has already been a trailblazer for women activists, and I'm excited to see how they're going to portray within this within this uh, docu series. Great point, Josh. See you, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this project as well because we, especially during these times, we all are need to be reminded of a history lesson. As us as Black Americans, not all of our culture has been bad, but if we're gonna tell the good, we gotta tell the bad as well because we are a mixture of everything. And the times that we're going through right now, we need to be reminded what steps uh, that happened back in the past will led up to this point where we are right now. So uh, I just hope that this special is produced very well and they tell the facts. Other than that, I'm definitely looking forward to it. What you think they're gonna tell? Send me down. <laughs> Live ass Jay Z and Will Smith. Tell what the hell is going on here, <laughs> Ryan? Uh. So for me, I went to Southern Illinois as a history major, and I think one of the most underrated problems in our school education system is how we teach history. Uh, since we did No Child Left Behind, it's all about standardized tests. So what's important with standardized tests when it comes to history? Names and dates. And some of that stuff is kind of overrated in terms of you knowing it. That's why a lot of people hate history. I think when... I tell people about history, stuff that I learned in school, they're always fascinated by it because the real interesting part about history is seeing the mindset and how things are done at a time, knowing that mm. people aren't too dissimilar from themselves now. Like back then, people still, maybe they had different values, different mindsets, but people are still people. They care about like their families, they care about entertainment, having a good time, blah, blah, blah. And when you see like in Lovecraft country, the sundown town and how that, you just see how, how real that is. Like these, these are the mindsets of people. These are how people talk. These are what people believed. And these are the type of interactions you have. And even in school, I remember just learning the system, like the systematicness of a plantation, how you have these different bosses and they have these different qualities and what you kind of have to sacrifice to do all these different things and how, it just there are just these day-to-day -day interactions not just big event after big event after big event so when we see something like this come to life i think it just that's going to be more powerful in connecting with people when you see like this is how literally people interact it's not too dissimilar from how we are today other than technology and the times have changed but people are still people and when you see how certain people acted back then and you get kind of a a little clip almost of what it was like I think that's when you get real learning, real growth, and people can really start understanding versus here's a name, here's a date, this is a little synopsis of what happened. Great point, Ryan. Uh, I feel the same way. That was definitely uh, a fantastic point. Um, yeah, and I mean, I love history, actually. That's one of those things where I read ahead of any assignment, and I, enjoy, I mean, I enjoy history. I like to learn what happened in the past since we always seem to repeat the same mistakes. Um, definitely a uh, great time today on the show, fellas. Uh, look forward to chatting up with you guys uh, in the week, upcoming weeks. Uh, Josh, real quick, um, it's in the spotlight. What's the name? What's your name of your show? In the Scope. In the Scope. I, keep, I, figure, I, I knew it was something like that. In the Scope with Josh. He has a new uh, <clears throat> episode coming. Of course, Second City Sports, you can find Sydney on there uh, with, with, with Lakina McGee. Um, so make sure you support both of them and uh, be back for uh, the Davis show uh, this week with me and Ryan. Um, but keep uh, informing yourself, especially in these times 
where times are changing. And uh, stay safe in these times, but uh, be daring, too, uh, or, or cause some good trouble, you know what I'm saying, as John Lewis uh, was saying. Uh, and I don't mean necessarily you have to get out there, but support, uh, find uh, different groups to support uh, financially and help them out or as far as getting some of these people out of jail that are peacefully protesting. <clears throat> but find a way. That's all I ask you. Sid? We go. Thanks. The flip.